Hello. Hey, is this Donnell Rollins? It's Donnell Rollins. I'm sorry, I have another uh, interview that went a little long. I, pro- I apologize. It's okay. It's okay. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So you were born in D.C. and grew up in Virginia. You served in the Air Force. I just found this out. That's crazy. Why don't we know this? Why don't we know this? I don't know. It's been in my bio forever. And it's so funny because I just left San Antonio, Texas, where I went to basic training for years ago, like 30 years ago. And you could people be like, this damn mash was on TV when you was in the Air Force. <laughs> but I had such a good feeling going through there. I went in there as a young guy. I was 17. And I was wondering if I would ever go back to that base. I just did a tour of that same base. And it felt so good going back to a point where it was a transition in my life. I didn't know what was going to go on. And it just brought back so many memories. And when I saw these young airmen, the other guys march and stuff, I just really realized like like what we take for granted, the fact that it's people out there to sign up to protect this country and have a purpose of like just living for the rights and all the other stuff that that we do. So, you know, the Air Force, it was a big time in my life. I didn't stay long. I did four years. I had to get out because if I didn't get out, it was going to kick me out. But whenever I see- What you do? I did what um, <laughs> I, I stayed. I stayed in trouble. <laughs> I stayed in trouble, and I knew it was time for me to get out because every week I would hear my first sergeant say, "Airman Rollins, your blatant disregard for established military policy shows a lack of military burn and integrity. What do you have to say for yourself?" And every time he said, I would be like, "Akuna matata." It means no words. <laughs> I don't know what else. But I want to shout out all this our servicemen and women that like live to protect to protect this country. And I want to thank you for your service, because when I read that, I was like, oh, my goodness, I wonder if he did comedy shows for everybody or if he was just naturally funny. And that's when you realize it. When did you realize you were funny? I always knew I was funny, but the level of trying to do it as a job or do part of my life, I never thought about that. I was always the funniest guy in the room. And it was after I got out of the Air Force. I was a police officer in the Air Force. I was waiting to become a D.C. police officer. Mm-hmm. And I used to work at this grocery store. Where I was head of security. And there was a guy that used to come through there. He worked for Hostess Cupcake Company. Mm-hmm. And he would stack the shelves up with Hostess Cakes. And then he would give free tickets to the comedy show. So we would take those tickets. We went to the show. I started as a heckler. I was the worst. I was so disrespectful, <laughs> disrespectful to comedians. And then people started coming to watch me heckle. The club owner wanted me to shut up. He dared me to go on. I went on stage and it was in that moment that I knew that this is what I was going to be doing with my life for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it, it takes somebody to push you over or test you or dare yeah, you. Never know. Like for me, like anybody in my past as a kid, they're not surprised what I do for a living. Most comments, it was like when I was young, I thought about it. I never thought about being a comedian. Mm-hmm. I just loved comedy. And just so happened, that situation pushed me into stand-up. And after I did stand-up for a while, I wanted to know what was the next thing. I started dabbling with acting. Everything was just, just happened. A lot of people don't get to this point that I discovered my God-given talent. Mm-hmm. And I was able to make a living off of it. That's Cause, right. Because we all are in, some people are in jobs where they do it because it's a living. But, you know, it's something beautiful about God gave you a talent, right? Mm-hmm. And you figure out, how to use it. You figure out how to make it work for you. And every time I never take for granted where I am in my life. I never get crazy. I never, I'm never, anybody tell you to know me. I'm not on no superstar famous stuff. I don't connect with fame. In fact, when I first started, I, most people like this, they want to get rich. They want to get a TV show. When I first started, I didn't want none of that. All I wanted to do was be good. Yeah. And I yeah. was like, if you're good, everything else is going to fall into place. And that's been the story of my life. 
Now, in your words, your words, not mine, you are a, let me see how you said it, an old man with a baby. I'm an old head with a baby, right? I'm what I'm I'm a late bloomer. I'm a like and people say I am they, too. Yo, they say they call me a dino dad. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And I don't really and I realized that I was a dino dad when I was planning my son's first birthday party. I called one of my friends. I said, Do you think your son could come to my son's first birthday party? He was like, if he can get off work. <laughs> but and as much and here's the thing about that. When I oh, first Lord. became a dad, I was slightly embarrassed by how old I was when I had my kid, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you're old here. You don't want to talk about it. But then I realized you're not the only one. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I realized that there's a lot of older dads. There are a lot of women that have kids later in life that are past the time that people would expect that. But what you can't take away from a person is them wanting to be adult mom, yep. adult dad. So it don't matter how much oh, you are old here, whatever. Guess what? My son get all the love he wants. He knows that his dad is the guy. You know what I'm saying? I was blessed to have the opportunity to do that because before my son came, I had already settled with the fact that, you know what? You're not going to have kids. You get right. older. And I had to get my mind ready for that because if you don't, it'll drive you crazy. I was like this. I focus on my career. I got nieces. I got nephews or whatever. And I'm I had good. I, I'm good, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm good because you have to mentally. But then when it happened, I was crazy. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. This is some real, real stuff. When the mother of my child, Stephanie, she had got pregnant, right? And when she got pregnant, the doctor said, the first time, I'll, I'll tell you the story. The doctor said, it doesn't look like this is going to be a good pregnancy or whatever. It was just like, it was just, she was under a lot of stress and everything. And I said to myself, I've never hadn't felt the possibility of being a dad. So I was like this, I'm going to start juicing. I'm going to do this. And it had nothing to do with my body. It had everything to do with her body, right? Mm. And I was like, look at God. I was like, I'm about to, I'm going to have a kid, right? Got to three months. I was in Australia and she had a miscarriage, right? And when she had a miscarriage, first time in my life, I questioned God. I said, come on, God. I was like this. I don't even ask you for a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm, you know, I'm not a, some people pray for everything. Oh Lord, please let McDonald's drive through be open. God, please. I don't mess with God on that. I mess with God for some real stuff. I questioned God and I was mad. Mm -hmm. I was like, come on. Right. Three months later, my baby mama was pregnant again. So now I got to apologize to God. Now I got to be like, oh, God, you know, I wasn't messing with you for a minute. But, you know, come on. You know, we cool. You know, we yeah, cool. Yeah, we cool. I'm, I'm saying I'm sorry, right? <laughs> and and then anybody, and I know it's people that have shared this experience, anybody that goes through a situation with a miscarriage, right? One thing a miscarriage does, it really lets you know how dope it is to have a kid. Mm -hmm. And if you really yeah. actually want that child that you didn't think you wanted. Yeah, but it also lets you know, like, because sometimes we so random, like most people have kids because like a bam, 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 oh, we have fun. Oh, you pregnant? Right. But then you start thinking about, it makes you think, you start thinking about the people that out there that spend hundreds of thousands of dollars with, for the opportunity. You realize how dope it is and how dope we are as humans to be able to reproduce another human being. It makes you respect life more. That's why I think me being an older dad, it made me appreciate being a father more. It wasn't like, Oh my God, I, I knocked this chick up. Oh, I got to deal with this baby. Like I knew I wanted it in my life and it came and it was a blessing and I love it. Well, I had my twins at 38. Right. So I understand what you're saying. It's yeah. one of those things where you don't really know what you want until you're presented the opportunity and then you can't imagine life without that thing. And then you ask yourself, can I be a good mom or whatever? And nobody knows how to prepare for that. But I know once it happens, 
it's just something in you. It just clicks. The maternal instinct, being a father, it all clicks. And I feel good for it. And congratulations. That's a, such a blessing. And I'm, I'm happy for you. Thank you. So how is Austin? How is he? How, and is he funny? And is he, oh my tell God. me, tell me the funniest thing that Austin has done. Oh man, it's some dark. It's some, Austin says some, some real <laughs> stuff. First off, I'm co-parenting right now, right? Okay. Which I didn't want to do, but I just accepted whatever. And it's so funny because the key to co-parenting is not letting the kid know how you really feel about their, person. <laughs> their parent. Yeah. yeah, right. So you got to be all front and all happy. I remember one time Austin was like, Daddy, let's do a party for mommy. I was like, oh, he's trying to trigger me. <laughs> he's trying to trigger me. Because you can't. And so I, he said, let's do a party for mommy. But I'm not going to be a bad co-parent. So I, I got to be like, that sounds like a great, great idea, idea Right. <laughs> but you can't tell your son, I don't F with her like that, son. But mm-hmm. he says the funniest thing, he does the funniest things. I didn't bring him on stage, whatever. He tells everybody in his class he wants to be funny. I bring him on stage. And the thing that he likes, the reason, the way, the way he wants to get laughed, like we'll practice some stuff. We're going to do it. He feels great when he I ask him to do something and he don't do it. And people laugh at the fact that he's not listening. That's, that's right. His, but that guy is just like, he's, he's so funny. Like, Oh man, I've done a lot of stuff in my career, but making him and being able to see him grow and giving him the best life I can and the love that we have for each other is the best thing. It's past anything I've done on TV or acting or anything. It's the best thing ever. Oh, of course. And then you see yourself in them and you're like, really? Yeah. I, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could be in a room too long with myself because, uh, but I already uh, know like this dude is going to be like, he says he wants to be a comedian, right? Mm hmm. And I've coached and mentored so many youngins that, like, if he decides he wants to do it, when people like you think he'd be better, he'll be way better than me. First off, he looks way better than me. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I'm, I got a regular face. My son is fine. <laughs> like, I look like, okay, only way I'm going to get a chick is, like, you got to talk to me for a long time. You're never going to walk in and be like, this. damn, he could get it. That's never going to happen. But Austin, they so Austin can get it. Oh, Austin gonna get it. Like, Austin can get it. Yeah. Speaking of Austin, I know that you have taken on some different roles, and one of them was in the movie Soul. I loved you as Dez. How did that come about? Did you think about Austin when you got the opportunity, or you, I mean, when you I heard about it? The thing about it was I didn't audition for that. It was some people on the team that was fans of mine. They were just like, "Just we want him to play that." And before that, I've done a lot of stuff that I think that my son would be proud of. Nothing. It was even when we did so, I had a pre-screener copy of it where I got to watch it before it came in, before it was released. Mm-hmm. And we had this big party with Austin and some of his friends, and they didn't know what Soul was. And they, we were watching it. And I made a mistake of ordering um, Happy Meals. So by the time the Happy Meals came, my scene came up. They missed it. Because <laughs> they were eating. They was eating, and they didn't care. Austin didn't care about nothing about soul until it started popping up on YouTube mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, yo, out of all the stuff I did, I became a legend with my son because I was Des the Barber. And that meant so much for me, for him to connect with something that's in his world. Yeah. Strength can explain. It was, it was a good thing. I didn't know, again, I didn't audition for that. It was just like somebody believed in me, gave me a shot, and I came through. But think about it, like Jamie Foxx, Lee Rowe, Donnell Rollins, 
Barber. I mean, like it makes sense. Like there's so there was so much comedy in that film in little tiny places. But your role, it was obvious that it, it was, was you. It, it was obvious it was you, and it was obvious that you know you had these two comedic giants coming together in this one space that it was going to be a bunch of laughs. So it was going to be a bunch of laughs. But even that scene, it was a pivotal point because it made Joe realize it was like even though it was one scene, it was a big scene because yeah, it was he had to reflect. He had to understand it. But again, I was so I'm a stand up comic. Usually when it, when it, whenever I get acting work, it's usually because somebody's a fan of mine. Mm-hmm. It's usually because I work with them before because I don't audition well. Auditions, I'm probably never gonna book a roll off audition. But I've been lucky enough that there's people that appreciate me, respect me, that they'll throw me a boner once in a while. And that was a huge bone and it feels good. Well, I respect you because I've watched everything from clearly I've watched Soul to to the Donnell Rollins show and you are just naturally funny. I think even when you're not trying to be funny, you're funny. I've watched a ton of your Breakfast Club interviews and you're just always hilarious no matter the thing who you're about around. It, the thing about it is that I never try to be funny. The only thing I do is be myself, which has to be a funny person. Yeah. I never just, I'm going to make a person laugh. And I would say like, you know, you got some youngers that come in the game. You got some people that been doing it for a while. But, and this is not me, my peers will tell you. And I feel like this, I'm like pound for pound, one of the funniest to do it. Well, we're going to get we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But I want to talk a little bit about Alvin, because this was different. For I'm not a bitch. Us. I'm not a punk. All right. I'm not a punk. <laughs> you, yo, go ahead. I know you holding it. I'm not a punk. They wrote me to be a punk. I'm not a punk. I defended myself. I fought for my hungry, right? My hungry man meals. I fought for I'm not a punk. Listen, I think Alvin is one of the most layered characters that we've seen in a long time. I think Alvin loved his family member. I think Alvin wanted him to be great. And we're talking for those people who don't know, we're talking about his character on BMF. I think he he just wanted, he wanted more for his family member. It's so funny. And, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. No, because Randy Huggins, who's executive producer, like out of all the characters on it, after season one, when I did that one episode, he told me going into season two, he said, Alvin is my favorite character. Mm-hmm. He, it was his cousin and he had, the guy had so much layers. That's why I don't think I'll come back for season three. You never know. But I was like, you know, he was a freak, whatever. But and the people always say, why? Because every time Alvin would be disrespectful to me, I would come back and be disrespectful to him. And they would always cut it. They'd be like, if you said that, he would have killed you. Right. Right. Which right. Leads, leads you to like, why didn't Alvin want to take out anything of me? Because we were family. We was cousins. That's so, what it felt like watching it. It felt like Alvin was still trying to handle him with care, even though he was this person who had so much trauma. Alvin, being his family member, understood that trauma, where it came from. And there was love there, even though he couldn't quite get over that hump first, or crack through that wall. The first scene, episode two, when you don't know if Alvin's going to get killed or whatever, when I pull up, and I say, I got you, cuz that was a big moment. It was mm-hmm. like, who's going to come help him? I'm the only person that would help yep. him. I'm the only person that knows him. I'm the only person that wants to pick him up and make sure he's okay. Right. And, th- and that came through. That came through. Me and my husband were just waiting for you to, like, come on, man. Just yo, just everybody said that. Everybody, was like, yo, everybody, everybody was like, just why you, everybody was like, come on. But again, every, it's I'm family, it's family. If, if you could see what they cut out, Every time he came at me, I came harder, but it didn't fit the arc or the story or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I think as a a viewer, it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to let people 
sabotage themselves. Sometimes you have I to- know, but it was 10 episodes. People was like, do something. <laughs> well, you definitely did something. Oh my God, that dude is pookie now. Oh uh, yeah, he out there bad. Now, can we expect more serious roles from you in the future? Because you were amazing in BMO. You were amazing. I don't, Um, I, I'm comfortable with doing stand-ups. And, and again, if I was an actor, I would probably be working in the Cheesecake Factory serving <laughs> tables. No disrespect. But, you know, after I did this and then like some of the reviews, like, you know, look, thing is, I can't control acting. I can control stand-up career. Yeah. If the acting, unless I'm producing or directing myself, I got to wait for somebody to say we like him. So that part of it, I'm not excited about. But I'm like, you know what, Donnell, if you put a little bit more focus, you could be really, really good at this. Well, my next stage in my career is now is not waiting for people to give me opportunity to create my own opportunity. So I'm going to get into I'm already developing a TV show that I'm writing and putting together. So I just got to I would love to do more acting, but not the way Hollywood does it. I want to do my own stuff. Okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I was sure about to say I could see you in P Valley. I could see you all over the place because it's just you have so much range. And when you even when you're being serious, you slide in those little zingers where people's like, yep, that's Donnell. I mean, it can can take you out of that character for a minute and then you whip them right back into who you want them to believe you are. And that's what I love about people coming to see me do stand up. Like I'm going to have you right there. Where you like this, oh my God, is he serious? And then it's a big laugh. And then mm-hmm. from a big laugh to being serious. Like when you come see me do stand up, it's an emotional roller coaster. And I like, I'm not cocky about the acting, but stand up, like I can go toe to toe with anybody that's doing it today. Well, then tell me, tell me the ingredients for a really good joke. I don't write jokes, I just recreate life. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I don't write punchlines. What I try to do is like, if I see something that's funny, I was like, oh my God, I want to talk about that. If it's something in my relationships, I want to talk about that. You know what I'm saying? I, what I try to do is have a regular conversation. I'm a funny guy. Mm-hmm. I try to have a regular conversation. And with that regular conversation, after a while, some punchlines are going to hit. But I never go out like, this is going to be funny. I was like this, Daniel, can you share that story with those people? Right. You know what I'm and then and my thoughts run in parallel with their thoughts, but I never go out. Some people write jokes. I don't write jokes. I tell stories that happen to be funny. Let me ask you this then. What is the funniest unfunny moment that you can remember? A moment that shouldn't have been funny, but it was hilarious to you. I'll give you an example. When Kobe Bryant died in a helicopter joint, right? The next day, I was like, what I respect about how Kobe went out, he went out being a girl. He went out being a father. He was on a plane with people that he was being a father. I said, he was on that helicopter and that story was dope. He'd been a dad. And I said, because it might've been, a if I was on that plane, it might've been a different story. You know, it might've been like, yo, Donnell was on his airplane. He was having sex with three chicks or whatever. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> my story would have been different. And I was a dark moment that I was able to find some comedy. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And I have a lot of those memories and I can't really go back to all of them, but I've always been able to challenge like the darkest times when people are supposed to be so sad and upset, find out a way to tickle your funny, funny bone and give you something to laugh about. Yeah. I mean, there's that often happens after we have like global tragedies or American tragedies. Comedy really does usher us back into a sense of normalcy. It breaks that that tension for all of us. So that we can understand that the global, the laughter and the global feeling of joy is still there. It might be buried for a minute, but it's still there. And y'all, system are you using that your sound sounds so good? What are you doing? I'm in a radio station. I'm just using my regular mic. That's it. 
Damn, your shit sounds broadcast quality. <laughs> it is. I'm in a radio it station. Is, it is. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So speaking of making people laugh, the Donnell Rollins show. So you have a lot of people who are like me who are wondering what's going on with the podcast. But you said, I, look, I got to make this bread now. The world is open. We outside. That, and that's what it is. Like, I was really passionate about it during the pandemic because I had more time to focus on it. And I'm getting this from everybody. But I know that I have to bring it back because people want to hear my voice on my own platform. Mm -hmm. So I would say I would use this interview and like the last conversation I had with people for the last couple of weeks as incentive to start it back. But I'm, I got to bring it back. Yes, you do. Because I'm going to be watching and I'm going right. to be there in. I'm going to be in the building when you're here in Milwaukee. Yes. I do have a question that came from the podcast and I hope you are not offended. You moved to Yellow Springs. Yeah. And you let Donna whoop you and whiffle ball. Like pickleball, pickleball. I didn't even know there was something called pick. Don't turn around. No, for the listeners, he's turned around because the embarrassment, the shame has filled his aura. It's all over. Look, her yo, statue, her yo, award. Can you stop? Can you stop? Her award was taller than you. What is the problem? You let this woman come through and just lay you out flat. And then. Who laid me out flat? Nobody laid me out flat. She laid me. Look, look, look. The truth is that, look, people, it's online. People can watch it. Yo, you so disrespectful right now. I'm, all I'm saying Yo, to you, you is. Yo, you so disrespectful. <laughs> all I'm saying to you is, you got to find a way to redeem yourself. The world Yo, is watching, man. You, you can go. I don't, I'm not the point where you could go. You <laughs> and Donna can beat it. I am. Is this the end of the interview? I don't have nothing no, else to say. She told you, she told you when she first met you. What were her words again? Can you say that for me? I will whoop your ass in pickleball. And what did she do? She, are you really doing this? I am. I am. She barely, with all this, <laughs> with all the experience that she has. She, I hate you right now. Yo, you tricked me. You a traitor. Black Lives Look. Matter. Whoa. I can't believe you doing this. Yo, yo, do it. Oh, I'm so, able to believe you. So you tell Donna. I ain't showing Donna nothing. You, you tell, tell Donna. You tell Donna she got a whole fan club because she, she walked up to you. Up, upon first meeting you, she told you what was going to happen. And that's exactly the way it went down. So I want to know, from your perspective, how did you let this happen? I'll wait. Because I, I care about my seniors. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, I, no. I, I, I care about my seniors and I know her, her age, I didn't want her to have a heart attack or anything. That's not right. So it was for her health and That's I right. lost because I thought it would be in the best interest of the community. Okay. That okay. she's still here for us. That's why. I Donna did not beat me. <laughs> okay. 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 We, we quote unquote, believe you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Yellow Springs. I don't want to talk about anything else. <laughs> Let, listen, I want to know how you ended up in Yellow Springs. Now, we know Dave lives there. We know, like, we how, uh, look, that's too much funny in one area. How is the environment? It seems like it are would be a really, wonder. Are you, are you, no, no, no. Are you serious right now? Yes. No, you went from talking about Donna and you, your because love. Because we, we've done that already. We've done, we've done that already. We've done that. I, I want to know what it feels like to be oh in this God. community. Oh my God, you getting your Oprah on now? You feel good about getting your Oprah on? I Drive do. me into it, talking about parenting and all that. Did you want to talk about Donna? Just to set you up, Why that's you correct. Donna? Why didn't you call Donna? You want Donna number? Well, Donna's not playing. Do you want Donna number? She's you not call Donna right now. Why do you want Donna's? Donna's? 
Look, no, look. no, you want Donna number? You know, no, this, no, 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 no. You, you, so you, you, cause you all about this Donna stuff. You want Donna number? Are you calling Donna? No, you cut. Hold on. No, hold no, on. I'm not. You better wait, not no, call Donna. No, wait, wait. Let me see. She <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh my goodness. See. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, let me see if she pick up. That is so sad. You can't lose gracefully, Donnell. Have you ever lost gracefully? Or is this like the vibe that you get? I don't know how to answer her phone. That's not nice. Well, Donna, Silver International Corporation. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Thank you. Hi, Donna. Please record your Wait. message. <laughs> you may hang up or press one for more options. Hey, pickleball loser. So this is your neighbor, Donnell. And I'm doing a radio interview and this disrespectful woman, 30 minutes of a conversation, this could be like, how did you lose to Donna in a pickleball? So what I need for you to do mm -hmm. is to let people know that I was very sympathetic to the community. I did not want to blow Congratulations, you Congratulations, Donna. Congratulations. We are rooting for you. We need to make this an annual event, a part of Donna Lynn, we need we need everybody to see this. This needs to be you need to go. Okay, live. Okay, okay, that's what she's trying to say is she's sympathetic because you're a female. I know your girl power is together. Wow. But I just want to I just want to tell you that I am so sick of doing interviews and everywhere <laughs> I go, people talking about why did you let Donna do that? Because I believe in supporting the community and I know you're a fixture in this community. They love you. And I didn't want to destroy the reputations you have. That's we it. love you, Donna. We love you. Bye, 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 bye. Donna. Yuck. That is That's so funny. sad. That is so sad. So uh, talk to me a little bit about what we can expect on stage. Oh, come on. Don't be like that. Your personality got real ashy. Get it? Oh, 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 oh. no, 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 no. Come on, stay with me, Donnell. Who are you? No, who are you? Who sent you? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Okay. Let's start over. Let's be friends again. I Let's don't want to start over. No, your sound went out let's, for a reason. Let's be friends. Let's be friends. Let's start. No, let's no, no, no. It's no, 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 no. I am so good. Boo, I'm so good. You got to be my friend <laughs> oh, right now. Oh, not the clap. Why yeah, are you yeah. clapping? I am so good. I am so good. All I want to say is, Milwaukee, I will be there. I am so good. You are a traitor. You set me up. You brought me with all this mother instinct. We love you, Donnell. And then you did this to me at the end of the interview. See, that's why. Mm -hmm. See, you see, I tried. I tried. Then I did. tried. You did. You you didn't try. You I won't, did. Why don't you do this? Why don't you ask Donna to come? <laughs> all right, since you all on Donna. No, I am a huge Donnell Rollins fan. So what okay. can I expect when I come to your show? And please do not embarrass oh, if you, me. What, what, I, what you can expect from me when you come yes. to my show? Yes, yes, yes. totally disrespect you. <laughs> let people know that how you're a traitor. Let people know how you don't care that Black Lives Matter. I'm going to let all of that. That's what you can expect from my show. You can expect, you can, you can expect beef. <laughs> not beef. Yes, beef. Why do we have beef? Don't try to give me that subtle, like, why? Because you started trouble. It's all good. You bring Donna. Okay, 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 okay. We're starting over. I'm not going to start over. Okay, let's continue then. I no, let's end. Let's end. Okay, we, we've got five minutes. Let me get this. No, in. we got four. Okay, who are your top Three. five comedians? Who are your top five comedians? Donnell Rollins, Ashley Larry, Alvin, Damian Price, and Des the Barber. Next question. Uh, okay. Um. Next question. Um. 
Who have you learned? Next question. Most, who have you learned the most from comedically? Donia Rollins, Des the Barber, Ashy Lurie, Damian Price, and Alvin. Next question. I learned the most from Donna. Oh, Danielle. Come on, go keep going. Okay. Um, is it okay for comedians to have ghostwriters? Yes. And guess who's gonna ghostwrite for me? Damian Price, <laughs> Alvin, Ashy Larry, uh, uh 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 Alvin, Des the Barber, and I know you feel good about this. Donna. Donna. Yes, I know. I, I do. I appreciate that one. I think it'd be great. Oh, I um, can't you. Okay, you can you give me, me some liners? Give me, you some, me. give me some liners, please. I am on a radio show, uh, a radio station called Hyphen, because we're all hyphens as humans. I'm a mother. I'm a radio host. I'm a broadcaster. I'm an influencer. I do all these things. What are your hyphens? My hyphens are live, love, laugh. My hyphens are I hate Donna. My hyphens are I don't want to be on this show anymore. My hyphens are you are so disrespectful. You come with me with that motherly sister soul stuff and you disrespecting me. And my hyphen is you are the devil. Okay. Can you say I'm Donnell Rollins and you're listening to hyphen? I'm Donnell Rollins, and unfortunately, you listen to Hyphen. I'm Donnell Rollins, and oh my God, you're listening to Hyphen. Oh, this is Donnell Rollins, and you're listening to Hyphen, full of laughs, full of tries, full of laughs, full of lies, and full of disrespect. <laughs> Say, I'm Donnell Rollins, and I love Element. I'm Donnell Rollins, and I fuck with Element. Hey. I'm Donnell Rollins, and she's making me say I love Element. Okay. Can, I, can I get the I'm rich? I'm rich, bitch! And we are out. Thank you so much. I cannot Bye. Wait. I can't wait to see you. Bye. I'm a bigger fan now than I was when we started. No, I don't no, know how oh that happened. God. I don't wait, know how that happened. Yo, wait for Donna. She'd be like, well, you, oh, she's going to be so happy to hear this. Please send me this. She's oh, going to yeah. be so happy. I'm gonna send it to you fully unedited, and then once we um once we post it, I'm gonna I'm gonna link you and tag you and everything. You are hilarious, like just right, naturally. Back. Kiss All the right. baby for me. Talk to All you right. later. Back to you. All Bye. Right. Bye.